Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing today? Good. Um, like Melanie said earlier, um, I feel like it's exciting to be here today. You know, there's some Sundays where you're like, I'm always excited to be here for sure. But um, yeah, it's like, oh, like this is part of our schedule. This is part of our rhythm. But I feel like everyone's very excited to be here. Um, it's great to see new faces. My name is Dawn Garrity, and I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and yeah, we're just really thankful that you joined us this morning. So um, my husband, Luke, is actually in Florida right now. Um, he was in the Bahamas, but he had um, he flew into Florida early this morning. <laughs> They're like, Bahamas is like three hours ahead of us. Um, and, and he has a like 10 hour layover. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, are you going to go to the beach or just hang out? And he's like, nope, <laughs> I'm going to, he's going to go watch a movie now. So anyways, um, yeah, so I'm going to, um, have the message today, which is totally out of my comfort zone. I just want everyone to know, um, this is not natural for me, but I'm willing. So, I always observe there is more introverts up here than there are extroverts. So if you are an introvert and you, you're thinking, hey, I want to maybe start being behind the microphone, come and talk to me after church. Um, even Terry, Terry Rapley, she's been speaking a few times. She's an introvert, <laughs> but she's still up here being obedient. Um, so my question to everyone to this morning is, have you ever wanted to get away and escape your world for a while? <laughs> I was reflecting back on my childhood being an introvert, and I don't think that I grew up, I was born in 1978, and I don't think that we identified, we had so many identities. <laughs> I don't know, maybe people that are older than me, did we, did we talk about introverts and extroverts? It's so funny, like there's so many labels now that we label ourselves. Um, but there were times when I needed to escape my surroundings and just be present with myself. And I identified that as a child. There were times in my childhood and when I was a teen where I needed to find a quiet place and just breathe and sit in stillness. And I was aware of that. My family was, um, my dad is an introvert, but my sister and my mom are complete extroverts. And we had a rule that um, when we had people over at our house, we, my sister and I would have to stay in the living room or sit at the table until our guests left. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, it was like torture for an introvert, for sure. I remember when I was a child, I would walk around our, our horse pasture and just breathe in the fresh air and watch our horses stand and graze or run around our fields. And as a teen, I would find my quiet place by climbing up our second story um, and go out one of the windows. And I would just sit on the roof and gaze at the stars. I would also use that to sneak out too. So <laughs> both good and bad. <laughs> um, there were, um, there, this is where I found my peace and quiet. It was a place where I could breathe and view God's beauty and pray to God to fill me up. These were just a few moments in my life that I was able to stop, breathe, and reflect. These were ways to help me get to a place where I could reflect on God's presence. And speaking of enjoying God's creation, Luke being in Bahamas, um, he 
actually has another site, we call him Side Hustles, and it's, um, he guides, he's a fly fishing guide. So he had the opportunity to go to the Bahamas and suffer there, <laughs> doing videography, photography for Confluence Outfitters. And um, on the way to Sacramento last week when I dropped him off at the airport, I was telling him how excited I was for him to go on this trip because if you know my husband, he is um, a workaholic, and I'm a worker bee, so it's not a, you know, it could be bad or good. Um, I was talking to him about how excited I was for him, and I told him this can be a time that he can just relax and breathe, reflect on God's beauty, and just rest and fish, of course. <laughs> and some people were asking why I wasn't attending this trip with him. Um, it's because I'm a worker bee, and, um, and also because he likes to fish the entire time, <laughs> where I would rather lay on the beach and just chill for a while and read a book or something. Um, and I'm very attached to my kids so, and my animals, so I have a hard time leaving. <laughs> um, so this is a season of Lent that we were talking about, um, and one area that I'm focusing on is trying to be less distracted. I have decided to cut out my time in social media, not completely, but certain times of the day. I feel like this is a part of my schedule that has added unneeded stress. Has anyone ever? Yeah, it's, it's an entertainment, it's beautiful, it's great, but it's also a stress factor, it's so weird. Um, I feel like that part of my schedule has just added unneeded stress. This is a time that I have to be very intentional and read scripture instead of sitting down and scrolling? Or how many of a raise of hands will you find yourself, like I think it's like 30 years and older, that you'll be standing up with your phone like in a corner and just standing and scrolling? I do that all the time. I find myself, I'll be there for like an hour, <laughs> like staring at a corner. <laughs> so I'm like, this is a problem. I need to fix this. Help me, God. Uh, so maybe it's like 30s and 40s and 50s. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm replacing that time with my time in the Bible. God gives us seasons of Lent to be able to slow down, reflect, pray, and learn how to listen to what God has for us in different times of our lives. So we're on our third Sunday in the season of Lent. Like many of you, I did not grow up celebrating Lent. Lent is um, Lent. So every year I've learned um, something new about this Christian season. I always thought that Lent was just a Catholic season growing up. I grew up in Michigan, and my community was full of Catholic Italians. It's true. <laughs> we had the best Italian food ever in, Mich in Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> my sister married a, into a, an Italian Sicilian family, so they make the best pasta. Like, our family doesn't live without rice, because Luke is part Asian, and my sister's family lives with pasta, <laughs> so it's real fun. Um, yes, yeah, so, but I didn't, um, I always thought it was a Catholic season growing up, um, but I didn't know that many other denominations celebrated it as well, including some Methodist, Presbyterians, Baptists, Anglicans, and quite a few vineyard churches. So when I met Luke and we started pastoring in Wisconsin, we practice Lent, and it was, it was new. It was um, something that I never grew up with. I also didn't know that it traces back to the beginnings to the early church, and that the early church 
looked at this season as a way to prepare their hearts for Easter, the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Last week, Terry continued our journey through the Gospel of John. She did an amazing job. I'm sure it will be on our podcast at some point. We've been spending a lot of time looking at the, some beautiful stories found in the Gospel of John. So if you're looking for something to read um, and reflect, I would encourage you to read the Gospel of John because that's where we're focusing for the month of March. And the Gospel of John helps us understand more about who Jesus is, what he did, and why we love him so much. Today we're going to spend a little time looking at John 4 and the story of the Samaritan woman. Since Luke has preached on this passage several times, we're not going to be looking at the, at the main part of the story that most of us have already heard. We're going to look at the part of the story that happened after the woman met Jesus at the well. But since there are probably a few of you that have never heard this story before, let me do a quick summary of what happened in the story so we can better understand the context. Jesus was traveling on his way to Galilee and decided to go through a part of the country where Samaritans live. Samaritans and Jewish people did not get along during this time, and they both despised each other, actually. While Jesus was resting at the well, a Samaritan woman showed up to get some water, and Jesus spent time talking to her. At first, the woman was shocked that Jesus even spoke to her because back then, um, women or most men did not talk to women back in that day. But she was also surprised because he was Jewish and she was a Samaritan, and their clans did not get along. Over the course of the conversation that Jesus had with this woman, she came to understand that he was, in fact, the Jewish Messiah because he knew things about her living situation that no other stranger could have ever known. In the middle of their conversation, Jesus makes two famous statements. The first one is found in John 4, 14, those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes fresh, like a bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And then the next one is John 4, 23 and 24. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true, worshiper, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is the Spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So we're jumping into the story after Jesus had spent time talking to this woman, extended love and grace and truth to her, and his disciples have returned to continue their journey with Jesus. So let's read this passage of scripture today. It's on the screen. It's John 4, 28 through 42. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, Come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came, streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest are people brought to eternal life. 
What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and the other harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others have already done the work, and now you will get to gather that harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two more days, long enough for many more to hear this message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed a savior of the world. And so this passage, it's so funny because in the Bible, there's so many times where people doubt God and Jesus, even though they got to experience him in person, you know? Like it's, it's mind-baffling, or however you say that. <laughs> I like to make up words. <laughs> it's a Donism. <laughs> My family makes fun of me. <laughs> so I think we need to remember that before the Samaritan woman went out and told everyone in her village about Jesus, she had a conversation with Jesus that brought restoration and peace to her life. We all need to have encounters with God like that whether we are men, women, young or old, have tattoos or none, Jesus is eager to restore us and help us heal from our pains and brokenness. That's kind of the ongoing message here, like through worship, when Mark was sharing, um, Shannon, like, um, and Mel and the worship team, like he wants to heal us from our pain and brokenness. And there's a lot of pain and brokenness going on, a lot of loss, a lot of, um, yeah, just life. So that's one reason why Lent is such an important season for this church, for our church. It helps us pause and remember that before Jesus' resurrection, there's Jesus' death. And before you and I experience resurrection power, we have to experience a dying of ourselves. Lent helps us lean into that truth. Listen to how one Christian leader puts it. Lent is about repenting. Remembrance or repentance is a change in direction, a spirit-empowered turning around. Repentance then is the first step we make toward God. But to turn towards God, we must turn away from something else, and that something else is our sin. Lent then is about turning away from our sins and toward the living God, a season dedicated to repentance and renewal should not lead us into despair. It should cause us to praise God for his grace. Amen? So this is what happened to the, for the Samaritan woman. In her encounter with Jesus, she became aware of her need to turn away from her sins and turn her life towards Jesus. It was in the action of turning, the, turning from the things that separated her from God um, that she experienced renewal and hope. After the Samaritan woman experienced renewal and hope, the Bible tells us that she left behind the water jar so she brought, that she brought to the well to fill with the water that she ran back to her village to tell everyone about Jesus. So this has a lot of significance if you think about it. it this the significance is for us because we have to understand that in some way she, she was symbolically leaving behind the old way to quench thirst to, in order to embrace a more fulfilling drink, the truth of Jesus. 
Plus, prior to her encounter with Jesus, this woman would have largely avoided the people in her village due to her living situation. In her own village, she had been somewhat of an outcast. But one chance encounter with Jesus, and she was ready to tell everyone about him. You know, before Luke and I moved here to Red Bluff, we were pastors at a church in Wisconsin for 12 years. Um, and this story, um, there's, a, there's a story that I'm going to tell you, and it was about a woman that attended our church in Wisconsin. And she was an alcoholic and drug addict for many, many years. She grew up in it. And she eventually came to know Jesus. After she started growing in her walk with God, we would find her at the bars all hours of the night telling people about what Jesus had done for her. She was very courageous. <laughs> she would even bring people that had drunk way too much and people with hangovers to our church so that they could also experience the freedom that can come from knowing Jesus. She's like a walking Jesus <laughs> in our little town. <laughs> She's awesome. It was an amazing thing to witness. Most of them smelled like alcohol and other things. But while we were, but while they wanted, they were drinking and smoking and whatever, everything that comes along with that, they were also asking for prayer and repenting of their sins. It was amazing. And I will never forget um, this woman. She's great. Something I think that it's hard to believe or even hear, but is easier to experience is when Jesus tells his disciples that there is nourishment that comes from being obedient to God. But this is what it means to become a follower of Jesus, to follow him in his teachings and his way of life. While it can be difficult to trust God and to give the things that we are so attached to, once we turn from those things and embrace the life of Jesus that he has for us, we find that we are supported by the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. In my life, I've learned to trust God in almost every area that he asks of me. I've been a Christian my entire life. There are some things that I know he is leading me to do, and my first response is, okay, God, like, yep, I'll do it. <laughs> um, but then my human nature comes out and worry sets in. Naturally, I am a worrier. Just ask my entire family. <laughs> I may seem calm and collect on the outside, but honestly, I'm usually full of anxiety, worry, and fear inside. So when Sean was sharing the, uh, the communion part of our service, really identified with that. So I've learned to, that I physically have to walk off my stress, and that's why I walk so much. Um, anxiety and worry on a daily, I have to walk off my stress, anxiety, and worry on a daily basis and pray the entire time. Um, I have learned that through therapy, which also helps. Being vulnerable with people you can trust is crucial. I have learned in order to help others, I have to spiritually, physically, and emotionally be okay with myself. And what's also part of Jesus's point here is that for, um, for all that who work, all, for all the work that you do to help other people come to know Jesus, there's a huge reward in getting to be a part of people's encounter with God. How many of you walk, have walked alongside with someone in their walk with God? It is like an amazing thing to watch it unfold. It's so natural and beautiful. And there's a huge blessing in playing a small part in people coming to know Jesus. 
So that's why Jesus says that some people plant seeds and others harvest. We all have a part to play. Everyone gets to play, which is a vineyard value that we have here too. So look at this again. Jesus says, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. So how does Jesus' word apply to Red Bluff and our surrounding communities? I think it still applies and means that there are people all around us that need to hear about Jesus and need to know that there's much more to life than just going through the motions or just barely surviving. We've all been in just survival mode before too. Just uh, Jesus has a way of life that both helps us and heals us and restores us and that he invites us to be a part of helping others, healing others, and restoring others. Like I mentioned before, we have to remember that we can't give away what we don't have. We need to receive help and healing in ourselves so that we can give that away. We receive love so we can turn around and give that love away to others. So here's how this passage applies to us in our lives. We're supposed to tell people about Jesus and how he has changed our lives individually, no matter where we come from, and we're also supposed to tell everyone, no matter where they come from. What this means is that where God has saved you from, those people also matter to God. Jesus wants to do for them what he has done for you. But you and I both need to tell everyone about him. And we shouldn't be scared about what they are doing or what they are caught up in. Jesus isn't afraid of anything that's in our background. So one thing that really stood out to me during this past week when I was preparing for this sermon is that even though God delivers us from our sins and asks us to turn away from that environment that we were sinning in, he also loves those people. That we, Even the people that we were caught up in sin or the situation, he loves those people. So how are we going to minister to them? How are we going to share God's love? How are we going to reach those people? So um, if you guys could all stand with me while we get ready to close this service, I'm going to ask Jen to come up here. And like Luke mentioned on the recording, um, we, do wanna, we do want time for us to be able to pray for each other. And this doesn't have to be a scary situation for people that are new to the church or this is your first time. This is a safe place. I don't know if you can feel it in the environment, but we love each other. We have all come through different backgrounds and different scenarios. Um, but we're just going to have a little silence for a little while. Just reflect on what God is speaking to you. And uh, then we'll just see where the Holy Spirit leads us. Yeah, Holy Spirit, would you come and fall more in this room? I just see that God's been stirring the hearts of many. Maybe you feel like he's doing something new in you. Maybe you're desiring that he'll do something new in you. But I promise you, he's at work even when we don't know it.
And as I was um, spending some time praying today and last night about this time today, the, the same thing kept coming to my mind is make room. Make room for me. We are, not, we are not too old or too young to change or make room for God to do significant things in our lives and in our hearts. In order to make room, though, we have to let him help us. We have to let him love us. We have to let him push on things that are painful in our hearts so he can heal them. We have to be vulnerable. Like lying on a heart surgeon's table with your arms strapped away and you don't get to control it and decide what he heals and when he heals. It's just a vulnerable submission of trust to God's tender hand. God, I pray that you would that you would come to the tired and the weary. Those that are afraid, those that feel like they're drowning, those that are are anxious. Those that need to experience you in a tangible way. Would you meet with all of them right now, God? And if you fall under any of those categories, um, I just I want to invite you guys to come up to the front. Um, this is a safe place. And then we're going to pray over you. So if you are in that place right now where you feel like you want to start letting some walls down so to make some room for God to come in and bring restoration and bring healing, or if you're in a place where you're struggling with anxiety and fear and stuff like that, um, I just want to encourage you to come forward and so we can pray. One other thing that um, I was praying on as well is if you're in survival mode, if you feel like you are just barely surviving <laughs> or going through the motions, mm -hmm. God wants to be here for you. He wants to restore you and your strength and your um, relationship with him. Um, so if that's you, come on up and we'll pray for you. All right, anyone that is willing and capable and wants to pray, would you come and lay hands on our friends up here? I'm going to start praying. Holy Spirit, I pray for your presence over every single one of these people that are standing here and everyone that hasn't walked forward. Would you meet them right in this space right now? I thank you that you're a God that talks to us. I thank you that you're a God that loves us. I pray that you would bring affirmation, validation, courage, grace, mercy, kindness. Would you show each one of us how you see us 
And I just sense that maybe some are struggling to repent or maybe some are struggling to really let him in to see the areas in your heart that hurt because it hurts so bad when it's touched. But those are areas where his love wants to reach you, not his shame and condemnation, but his healing and his love. So God, I ask that you give us the courage to surrender the painful places in our hearts or surrender the confusing places in our hearts so your love may dwell there. And I sense that he wants to bring a new knowledge to, to all of us of who he truly is. We all have an idea of who we think he is, but it's so much greater than we could ever think. And so let him show you who he truly is so we can show others who he truly is. Like Jen asked earlier, if there's anybody that is willing to come up here and pray for people that don't have people to pray for, um, come on down. And if you need prayer and you don't feel like you're um, uh, like uh, more com any com very comfortable coming down here, you can just raise your hand too, and the people around you can pray. Can we get two more people up here. Thank you. I just want everyone to know, too, if there's ever anything that you need specific prayer for, you come come find me, come find Dawn, come find anyone that you recognize, and ask us to pray for you. Because sometimes there's some we're struggling with things that aren't coming up, but that doesn't mean that God can't meet us where we're at, and it doesn't mean he doesn't have something for you, but sometimes he just wants you to step out. <laughs> 